Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. You know, I walked into a store in September and heard Christmas music playing. They had all their trees out. You know, they, they were, Menards was changing over to all the, the they have the, when, that's when they start selling all the train stuff. Camping gear goes out and they got all this train stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm still in shorts. I mean, how is this even possible? Um, you know, some of you just look forward to it. You can't wait. You're ready. Like Thanksgiving happens, you get the turkey put away. And next thing you know, you've got trees up. You've got all your presents bought. We hate you, by the way, you people. You're sick in the head. You got all your presents wrapped, everything's done, and you're just sitting back, and you just get to enjoy Christmas. It's going to be, oh, wonderful. The rest of us are trying to figure out where, where we put the tree. Do we have a tree? You might be lucky to get a present from us if we think about it on Christmas Eve, if we haven't got anything else to do. Um, it just, we handle it all different. This is the season, though, that a lot of people look forward to when we sing Christmas songs and you know, sometimes you start to listen to those, those Christmas songs we sing, and it, they're just, some of them are a bit odd. Round yon virgin. I'm still waiting on somebody to tell me what a yon is. Can somebody help a brother out? What's a yon? You know, there's, we, we, we sing this song, um, Do You Hear What I Hear? That's an interesting song. That's, that's, a, that's a conversation between a lamb and a shepherd boy. Somebody needs therapy, Okay. And then there's a line in that song that goes like this. A child, a child, shivering in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. How about a blanket? <laughs> Toboggan, jacket, something. Bring the boy some soup, something. He doesn't need silver and gold. He needs to be heated up. Then you got Silent Night. I love Silent Night. It's one of my, it's, I love singing that song. It's my favorite, probably, of all the Christmas songs that we sing. And I've talked about this before. But, you know, we come to Christmas time, we sing Silent Night, but there's really not a lot in Silent Night that is accurate. I don't know if you know that or not, but the song gets a lot of things wrong. It's still a great song, okay? We should still sing it. It's just a wonderful song. But if you're going to be accurate, I'm just going gonna, gonna to clear some things up for you this morning. First of all, the title, Silent Night, nobody who was there would have called that night silent. It was full of chaos, full of turmoil, lots of stuff going on, a lot of worry, a lot of, lot of just stuff. A lot of details surrounding the birth of Jesus that most people don't even realize. I mean, we all get the part about, you know, they were in a, foreign, they were in a different city and there was no room and, and, you know, so they had to make do with whatever was available to them. We get all that, but there's more going on in the story than that. Scholars tell us that Mary, little Mary, is somewhere between 13 and 17 years of age. And she is a part of an arranged marriage to a guy that we think is probably in advance of 30 years of age. Teenage girls in the room, just let me ask you a question. You okay? You okay with us arranging a marriage between you and some 30-year-old man that you don't know, have never met? I think the teenage female response to that would be, ew. Right? I, I met a 19-year-old girl. She was here for the first time. Her grandparents brought her, and I said, hey, while you're here, do you want me to arrange a marriage for you? She's like, no, I'm good, thanks. You know, what kind of church have I walked into? 
get this guy away from me. Mary probably didn't know this guy. I mean, if you don't know him, how can you love him? I mean, this whole thing is arranged. The reason that this guy would have been older is it took these guys some time to get their money together. Um, that's really why the young girls were marrying these older guys is because they, in order to get married, you have to have some money that you have to present. See, in that time, in that time of history, in most cultures, it would have been the bride giving a, 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 a dowry to the groom's family. But in, in Jewish culture, that's not the way it works. The groom and his family were expected to provide something for the, the, the bride. And so they had what was known as a bride price that was called a mohar. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what I read, mohar. On top of the mohar, which is the bride price, um, there was a bridal gift that he would have especially for his new bride, and that was a gift that was given to her, and that is called the matan, the matan. So Joseph is very likely considerably older than Mary. In fact, by the time Jesus is crucified, um, we, we think that Joseph has passed away because he does not show up at the crucifixion. At the crucifixion, Jesus looks at Mary, his mother, and he looks at John and he says, behold, your son. And he wouldn't have said that if Joseph had been anywhere in the picture. So we just think that by that time, Joseph had aged out. Men didn't live a long time in that age, in that time. And he probably had gone on uh, and passed away. So you have this older guy and this younger girl, and then they're not even married yet. She's pregnant which in that culture is a horrible scenario. This meant um, that her family is ostracized. She is going to go through all kinds of shaming, and, and I mean, nothing is going to go good in her life. She, she has, you know, as far as other people looking on, now she, we know that she didn't do anything to deserve any of this, but she's feeling the brunt of all this from all this culture and ostracized from her family her family was probably going to be in some in some instances girls in this situation could die save this young girl engaged to this older guy she doesn't even know him she's pregnant she's going around telling people you know i'm pregnant well who's the father well trust me the holy spirit did it and they're like yeah yeah holy spirit did it now, let me just ask you a question. You live in her culture. You know what's going on. You hear about this scandal, this girl over here. She's, she's conceived, and the answer she's giving to the question, who's the father, is the Holy Spirit. Would you believe her? Doubt it. Doubt it. And here she is, this poor young girl in a terrible situation. And on top of that, they're on the way to pay taxes. A lot of this story comes with a lot of heartache and a lot of desperation. And then on top of all that, we read in Luke 2, verse 6, while they were there, by the way, they got there on a donkey, nine months pregnant, riding on a mule, the distance from here to Indianapolis. Ladies, can I interest you, pregnant, nine months, ride a mule to Indianapolis? Any of you want a ticket on that wonderful ride? No, no. So there's physical pain involved in this whole thing too. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Manger, manger. That's a sweet Christmassy word, isn't it? Manger. Oh, laid him in a manger. You know what a manger is? Minutes earlier, cows and pigs, mules, goats have had their face in this thing that they're going to be expected to put their baby into. <clears throat> we have, um, I love Cross Lane. We have lots of young families in our church. We have lots of young, good-looking couples. And, um, you know, they're having babies. We support that, by the way. Have lots of babies. Um, you know, put that Marvin Gaye music on and make some babies. You know, we grow a church that way awesome I'm sorry I hate when it does that I hate when it does that <laughs> I tell my mom if you knew what I was leaving out you'd be proud because she listens to these sermons and she's like now nah, Brett you shouldn't say stuff like that <clears throat> manger we got these couples and they have these babies and and it's especially the, the newborn, you know, the first one. When they have that first one, it's always fun for me. I get a kick out of the new moms and dads when they come in and they've got the, you know, the car carrier and the, and the bassinet, the, the stroller thing. Now, times have changed since when I had kids, okay? They didn't, I mean, they had, we had some cool stuff back in the day, but it's all changed since, since my kids were little. And I just... Part of me just is interested in how the technology changes as these babies come along, because now you guys come in with these car seats and everything matches and matches your diaper bag, and it's like, oh, look at that. They, they, you know, they're pushing strollers that have Bluetooth and a little cup for the latte that they're buying for their babies now from Starbucks. And I just, I bet you, I bet you if one of those couples came in with all that stuff and their diaper, you know, I see all this stuff and it's, you just get, you're so happy for them because you know, you remember when it, that was you, right? You remember all that. It's exciting. It's fun. But if you went up to one of them and said, hey, we're going to take your pristine, precious baby in this beautiful baby blanket. We're going to set it down here in the place where the hogs have eaten. You want to do that? No. No. Nobody wants to do that. All of this, of course, because Scripture tells us there was no room for them. There was no guest room available for them. What I'm trying to get you to see is, is silent night. This beautiful night, all is calm, all is bright. Oh, look at the beautiful nativity. It's just not accurate. The fact is, the whole circumstance around the night Jesus was born was filled with turmoil. Everything had been turned on its edge. And the question is, why? Well, I don't, um, I don't think any of that is by accident. I think all of it was intentional on God's part. I think God wanted to send the one who was going to relate to mankind, and he sent him into the worst possible conditions. I don't think it's an accident that Jesus arrived when the death penalty was crucifixion. One of the most horrible terrible ways a person has ever been forced to die it's interesting that that's when jesus came but 
I, I think all of that because God wanted his son to be able to relate to you and me. Jesus can look at you and me and he can say, hey, I understand. I, I know. I know what it's like. So for all of those of you with tax issues, Jesus gets that. Financial burdens. Physical pain. Jesus gets that. Mules. Take that however you want to take it. Jesus gets it. Jesus knows what it is to have people talk about him behind his back, to doubt his motives, to question where he's from, to cast aspersions on him, to make fun of him. He knows what all that's like, to be ostracized. He knows what it's like to be different than everybody else. Whatever it is in your life that you face, your problems, maybe you feel embarrassed, maybe you, you feel marginalized in some way, canceled, just erased, whatever it is that's going on in your life, Jesus understands that. He gets it. During the season that we call Christmas, we hear a lot about that we you know, you'll get Christmas cards and you'll see this phrase on there, peace on earth. May you have peace on earth. So how do we find that? How do we, how do we find peace on earth? Last week I did, or last uh, month, I did a class. We'll probably do some more in the spring because I, I think we had some other people that wanted to take this class. But I had to keep the class size really small because I just flooded them with books. We had all, I took a room and filled it with books. And I talked about the books. One of the books I showed them is really a class about um, resources available for study and Bible study and, you know, what kind of things do preachers use to get ready? And so I showed them some of the things that, that I would use to do a sermon. And so um, one of them was a, a, an exhaustive concordance, a huge book, great big reference book, big thick rascal, exhaustive concordance. An exhaustive concordance basically takes every word in the Bible, you think of the word, if it's in the Bible, it'll tell you, you look it up just like in a dictionary, and then it'll show you every instance where that word appears. So I went to my exhaustive concordance this week, and I looked up the word peace, and I counted how many times the word peace shows up in Scripture. Do you know what that number is? It's 174 instances. Now, here's the interesting thing about the phrase peace on earth. It only shows up one time. You can look it up in all different kinds of translations. It shows up one time. You want to hear how it's, it's phrased? Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. Peace on earth. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. <laughs> no, Jesus says. Merry Christmas. Go your way. Be warm and filled. I didn't, bring to, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. You're like, man, how did I get that wrong? He said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring division. Put that on your Christmas card and send it this week. May you have division this Christmas. So really the concept of peace on earth, as we understand it and think about it, really doesn't really even exist. I'll tell you why in just a minute. The truth is the song got it wrong and the verse got it right. The truth is you can't really look at this earth and say that there is peace on it. Let me drop this little nugget on you. 3,500 years of history, the last 3,500 years, you know how many years we've had where there have been no wars on the planet? You know how many? 286. Out of 3,500 years, there have only been 286 where there was no war on the planet. There's very, very little peace on earth. In fact, 
The promise of Scripture out of John 16, verse 33 is this, I've told you these things so that in me, again, this is Jesus talking, you may have peace. And I've highlighted this next sentence for you because it's really important for you to see this. Jesus is looking at you and me, and he's telling us this. He's not sugarcoating it. He's not trying to hide it. This is this, what Jesus says. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the reality. Song got it wrong, verse got it right. In fact, I'm sure that you could look into your own life and you would say, yeah, Brett, there are just very few places where I feel like I have any peace. Or just, it's hard for me to come by. You don't have to go very far or drive very far till you run across some people that are not people that instill peace in you. You know, you're around them very long and you start losing peace pretty quick, right? What I'm going to try to do over the next three weeks is, is to look at this idea of peace and ask the question, how do you find it? How do you get there? We know that Jesus wants to give it to us. He is, after all, the Prince of Peace. So here are four things, four things that will steal your peace. I've given you an outline if you want to take advantage of it. And if you don't like that and just want to sit and listen, that's okay too. We, we, we just provide that for you to enjoy. I know some of you like that when we do that. Number one, how do you, how do you get peace? What, what steals our peace? We all have unavoidable circumstances. It's not something you created. It just kind of happened to you. You weren't anticipating it. It just kind of showed up. I'm going to work hard to lock it, ensure it, put safety around it, make sure nothing happens to it, and lo and behold, it still happens. I'm going to go to great lengths to be in great shape. I'm going to run and lift, and I'm going to diet and eat right and all that kind of stuff, and, and you still get sick. By the way, this is the one-year anniversary of me being in the hospital for 10 days last year. I was a sick boy. You guys prayed for me. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm just happy I'm not sick this year. I'm hopeful that I'll get to do a candlelight. I hated missing the candlelight last year. Unavoidable circumstances. You didn't see it coming. You you, You weren't prepared for it. You didn't ask for it. Jeremiah 4, verse 20, disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. There are so many of you who could tell your story about just such a thing. We could do a roundtable and you could, you could share your story and talk about the lack of peace. You were minding your own business. You weren't hurting anybody. You didn't ask for it. It just kind of showed up on your doorstep. And what in the world is this? And why is it on my doorstep? And this thing comes in and just turns your world upside down. Unavoidable circumstances. Another source that will rob you of your peace is unbearable people. Any of you know some unbearable people? Any of you sitting next to an unbearable people? Don't raise your hand. We have them though, don't we? We have them. People that are just mean. It just just feels like they're not happy unless everybody is as miserable as they are. You ever have somebody get upset with you and yell and scream at you for what you think is no reason. There I was in the parking lot, minding my own business, just trying to stay alive pretty much because for me, 
don't know about, I don't know if it's just me or, but so many of the parking lots that I'm in these days, I don't know who designed them, but they had ADHD or something, something going on with them. And I'm just trying to not run over anybody and try not to lose my life. And apparently, I was in this guy's way. And he started honking. Have I mentioned how I hate to be honked at? Hate, hate to be honked at. Makes me so angry. And I look up, and I mean, you know, one finger salutes are flying. And, and it's clear that I'm getting an earful in this car because his mouth is moving. I can't hear it, thankfully, but I know, you know, and I, I look at this dude, and it's like, rah, 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 rah. I'm going to be honest. I try to be, you know, full of mercy and grace. And Your pastor didn't have much mercy and grace when all that starts going down, right? Like, come on! Let's go! You know, I'm like, I'm like a hockey player, you know, where they throw their gloves off and you know it's going to go down. If I ever end up in jail, that's probably going to be it. The headline is going to be, you know, pastor assaults somebody in a parking lot and you guys are going to like okay honey we're switching churches come on it's psalm 109 with words of hatred they surround me they attack me without cause without cause unbearable people man i was just singing my songs was having a good day and then i ran into them and man i don't i don't feel like singing anymore there's nothing i don't have anything to sing about not anymore Third one is unexplainable problems. I want some answers. I have a lot of my life is spent with people who are searching for answers to, pro, to questions that I don't have the answers to. Brett, she was so young. Why did this happen to her? She was so young. I don't know. I don't know. Brett, he was a good guy. He didn't deserve this to happen to him. Why, why is this happening to him? I, I don't know. Much of my time is spent with people enduring things that I have no explanation for. And you know, it can kind of get to you. And God and I have some conversations once in a while where I'm basically saying, God, can you, you know, they're looking to me for an answer. I don't have the answer. Can you help me with this at all? And this makes no sense. What are you doing? You don't make, God, you don't make any sense. Now, I don't stay there long. Because I, I, I know as sure as I'm standing here in front of you this morning, God knows what he's doing. And somebody in here this morning needs to hear what I'm about to say next. Why would you want to serve a God who doesn't perplex you from time to time? Why would you, what kind of God is a God that you can understand and completely explain away? I want a God who knows things I don't know. I want a God who zigs when I think they should zag. I want a God who's bigger than me that I can't understand, that I'm, I'm left once in a while going, God, I don't get this one, but I trust you. Because if you've got a God that you can explain away and you, and you understand everything about him, what kind of God is that? We all have questions. Jesus had questions. My God, my God, why? When you're asking that question, 
of God. Sometimes it can rob you of your peace. All those first three just kind of combine into this last one. I would say venture, I would venture to say most of us in here, um, we have what we would call uncontrollable worry. Uncontrollable worry. That first word is the kicker in the whole thing, uncontrollable. I may not want to worry. In fact, I, I don't think there's a single person in here that walks around saying, I'd love to worry. I just love to worry. No, we, you know, it's just something that happens to us. Some of you walked in here this morning, you are so weighed down. Sometimes I can just see you across the way and think, oh man, they, they, the weight that they look like they're carrying. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we process worry differently, men and women. We process it differently. It's Christmas time. We had lots of worries at Christmas time. You know, the day that the kids are all opening gifts and mom is watching and she's, her worry is, you know, oh, did I get them all the same thing? And did I, you know, I hope I didn't spend too much on this one. And, and you know, I hope, I hope that, you know, I hope they're happy. You know, she's worried about equity. Meanwhile, dad's sitting back. He's watching things come out of boxes thinking to himself, how, how much was that? You know, can we afford this? I mean, look at this room. It's full of stuff. But they don't need all this stuff. That's how we process. We may worry, but here's what I know. The worry can cripple us. It can be debilitating. You show up at a party you're looking forward to with your wife. You're going to go have a good time, but you're worried, and there's stuff on your mind, and, and you, people are talking to you, and you, you know, you're, you're kind of, you, you find yourself saying, what, huh, what? Because you're not really paying attention to the conversation because your mind is somewhere else because you're so weighed down with worry. And you get in the car and your wife's like, where are you? You're, you're decorating with the kids and it's going to be a night, you know, you've carved out some time. You're going to do this thing. You're going to honor this tradition where you decorate your tree or whatever it is that you've got. And your kids are going to be there. And you want to be present with them but you're worried about something. And the whole time you're hanging, the kids are talking, and, and you're hearing about half what they say. And your wife walks up to you, and she pulls you aside, and she says, where are you right now? Because you're not with them, and you're not with me. And so you, 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 know, you kind of go to the bathroom, and you, you kind of get yourself together like, God, come on, help me get that. You know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I focus? Why, why am I so uptight? It can just be crippling. Jeremiah said it like this, we have heard reports about them and our hands hang limp. I've heard reports about them just paralyzing. The fear. Anguish has gripped us, pain like that of a woman in labor. So what do we do? How do we find peace in the middle of all this? Now, I know that I lost some of you sometime back in this message when I said that peace on earth doesn't exist in Scripture. Because you instantly heard that and thought, well, I've walked into the wrong church because I know that that's in there because I've been watching Charlie Brown my whole life and I, I've heard Linus read it. Peace on earth. I know it's in there. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll go head to head with Linus this morning. Okay. Let's look it up in Luke chapter 2. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and here's the phrase, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. King James Version says it like this, peace, goodwill toward men. It never says peace on earth. You know what it says? It says on earth there is peace to whom God favors. One translation says on earth peace to those who have his goodwill. And that's probably the most accurate translation of all of them. There's, there's, this, there's this peace. While you are on this earth that is filled with turmoil, this earth is filled with turmoil, there is a peace to those on whom God's favor rests. And when I hear it like that, the first thought I have is, well, goodness gracious, if, if there's a way for me to, to, to have peace, and the way to have peace is to have God have his favor rest on me, how do I do that? That's what I want. Well, for the next three weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. Listen to me. If you're expecting for there to be peace on earth, you are going to be waiting a long, long time. But if you expect that there could be peace in you on this troubled earth, that is available to those on whom his favor rests. So what we should be working on is not getting peace, but how do we get the favor? How do we, how do we get that? There's a gift for you today. You think about the many gifts that you may or may not receive, the ones you're going to give. Uh, there's a gift that Jesus has for you this morning. Uh, Jesus said it this way in John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. It is amazing to me, you just start paying attention to all the places in your world where they're pandering fear to you. If you're watching the news, it's all fear. It's how they get you to watch the news, by scaring you. This might happen. This might happen. Well, what if this happens? Oh, my goodness. The world can get crazy. How do you, how do you get peace all up in the middle of this crazy, chaotic life that we have going on? If you want that, that favor that results in the peace of God, the first thing you need to do, I'm going to give you four things, okay? Four things. This will go pretty quick. Receive God's pardon. Some of you need to receive God's pardon. You've never done that. You've never taken that step where you humbled yourself and you said, I am a sinner. I'm jacked up. I can't get this right in my own. I, I need some help. I need forgiveness. Jesus, would you forgive me? We all sin daily. For some of us, it is like an Olympic sport. You would say, Brett, I'm really good at it. And sin can bind you up. Sin starts to stress you out. You know why it stresses you out? Psychologists tell us that the number one cause of stress is guilt. That's where our stress comes from. We're guilt, we feel guilty. I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to relieve that. Receive God's pardon this morning. You know that what a pardon is? A pardon is when a, a, a governor or a president, he writes his name. With his authority, he writes his name next to the name of, of an offender and, and when the ink hits the paper, you're free. Your, your record is expunged. It's, it's no more. It's, it's your, you know, you're pardoned because somebody with authority signed his name. Jesus signed his name on a pardon for you with a pen that had his blood for the ink. And he wants to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life with his own blood. 
a pardon, forgiveness for your sins. I tell people all the time, just live your life like a forgiven person, grateful to God. He can erase your past. He can remember your sins no more, and you are free. And in that moment, all hell could break loose. And on the inside, you would have this unexplainable peace. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Those of you who've been with me for a long time, justified, what's it mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Say it with me. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. When you read that big, long church word and you're like, I don't know what that is. Just as if I'd never sinned. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you today need to experience that. Before you do anything else, you don't need to attend more church. You don't need another sermon. You don't need more religion. You need a pardon. You need someone with the authority to do what you cannot do because you can't live a perfect life. You need Jesus to sign your name into the Lamb's book of life with his own blood. That's what you need. And you can walk out of here this morning and know that it's all been paid for and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Stress gone. I'm not guilty. Could be one of the most peaceful things that you ever did. Second thing we need to do in order to experience God's peace, run to God's presence. Pull away during all of the turmoil. There, there are times in my life when I just need to, I, I gotta just, there's a lot going on and I, you know, a lot of competing voices, a lot of, I forget, I can't even come up with the name. I know it's got a psychological name. I can't even lay my hands on it right now, but just all this stuff. And I just need to, like, I, I went home to see my folks this weekend, and, and I was driving home yesterday, and I just, normally I'm listening to a leadership thing or a, you know, a, sometimes a political thing. Maybe I'm listening to music, different things. I do that when I drive, but I turned everything off, just little Piper laying back there in the back seat being good and just me driving home by myself in total silence, just me and Jesus. Talking about you guys, you know, I worry about you because you guys, some, so many of you are worried about me and I'm praying for you because you're worried about me. And I just, sometimes I'll sit and I'll put on some music and I'll, I'll pray and I'll meditate. I'll pray for the people who've hurt me. I'll pray for people that need help. I'll pray for people that I know are going through hard things. Discipline yourself enough to know that in the middle of all of the chaos this Christmas, that if you don't learn how to pull away and meet with God and say some prayers and, and read some verses and meditate, the world can really, really do a number on you. Music helps me. And there are just certain types of music, certain movements of music that when I hear those, I just get transported. I, I'm, there's a band called Delirious. They made an album called Live and in the Can, and it's a worship album. And when I listen to that, man, I, I turn all the lights out. I listen to the whole thing. I make time to listen to the whole thing, and I just get carried away in the presence of God. I cannot watch Carrie Underwood sing How Great Thou Art and not bawl like a baby. I hear Phillips Craig and Dean sing, pour my love on you, and I, I, I weep like a child. 
Here's Zach Williams saying, there was Jesus. And I'm, I'm just transported. There's no guilt or worry. I have peace. Let me get alone with God. Let's get some music playing. Let's, let's pray a little bit. Man, just changes everything for me. Isaiah says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Your mind is stayed on him. Let me ask you the question. Is your mind stayed on Jesus? Is it stayed on Jesus? Some of you need to pull away. You need to put your phone down, turn the TV off, sit in a rocking chair, get in a quiet place, get warm, no distractions, just you and Jesus, just have a conversation. Listen to some worship music, read a psalm, meditate. You will find not just peace, you will find perfect peace. Some of you need to cultivate a regular time where you meet with God. How do you get God's favor? You receive his pardon, you run to his presence, you respect his principles. Some of us are violating God's principles. You're a Christian, you, you, you know, you're going to heaven but you're violating God's principles. You're, you're not recognizing God's word and God's law within the context of your life. You know, we, we just spent five weeks looking at the life of David. And one of the things about David that has always fascinated me is when you look at his life, his life was a mess. He does things none of us have ever done. And yet somehow he is called in Scripture, he is referred to as a man after God's own heart. And my question has always been, how does that dude get called a man after God's own heart? I mean, he did stuff we can't, it's scandalous what he did. And he's known as a man after God's own heart. You know what the answer to that is? He was yielded to the law of God and he allowed himself to be broken under the law of God. Oftentimes we read something in Scripture and it challenges something we think or it challenges our attitude or it challenges some habit that we've gotten into and we don't want to change it. And we slam the book and we walk away and we say, well, that archaic old thing, that doesn't have anything to say for modern day life. Shouldn't listen to that. Doesn't know what it's talking about. Oh, yes, it does. Psalm 119. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Wouldn't matter what the world dished out. Great peace for those who buy into the principles and the promises of God. Listen, read your Bible and obey it. Read your Bible and obey it. Live it out loud. Trust God. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Last one, receive God's pardon, run into his presence, respect God's principles. Last one, rely on God's provision. Whatever you need, you should be relying on God to provide it for you. I saw this many years ago, this little acrostic. You are a frog. I want you to be a frog, all of you. Fully reliant on God. What are you? I'm a frog. What's that? I'm fully reliant on God. Acquaint yourself with Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I love this out of the Living Bible. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank him for your answers. Don't worry. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. Let me say it again. Don't worry. Pray. And then that last part, and don't forget to thank him for his answers. And then look what happens in verse 7. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. We're going to do that right now. Whatever you've got going on, 
cell phones, Bibles, books, put it all away, put it in your lap, close, close, get yourself in a comfortable, calm position. Okay, we're done. I'm going to pray and work. You're going to leave, okay? But I don't want you to be getting ready to leave. I want you to do this thing first, okay? Just get, just get quiet. Bow your head. We're going to leave our problems with God this morning. We're going to seek His peace and His healing. We're going to run to Him with our financial pressure. We're going to run to Him with our burdens. All those things that have us worked up. We're going to run to Him with our worries for other people, the people that we love, that we can't seem to help. We're going to carry all of that. We're going to recognize the weight of our own sin and we're going to bring it to God. We're just going to kneel and say, I need to be forgiven. Jesus, I I want you to write my name in your Lamb's book of life with your own blood. And I'll trade my heart for that. God, we are grateful for the facts that this season point us to. Your ferocious, relentless love that pursues us in the form of a newborn who would grow up and give his life for us. He made a trade. I'll stand in the gap. I'll stand in your place. I'll take your punishment. I want your heart. How could we ask for more? So Father, in this quiet, still place, We seek your favor. We seek your peace as we go into a world who knows nothing of it. Empower us. Encourage us. Fuel us. Help us to carry this to a world that so desperately needs it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said.